Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Today, Steffi and I sit down with a really special guest, Rafael Dos Anjos. He is the former lightweight UFC champion. He has some pretty commanding wins over some top people in the UFC, people you know like Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, and Nate Diaz, and obviously many more. Uh, this is actually the first podcast he's ever done, so we're super lucky to have him on. Um, he shares some things on this episode that he's never spoken about publicly before, talks about some ups and downs of his training, some funny stories, and uh, uh, what his future career plans are. He's got some big stuff in the works. Uh, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They're an athlete-focused meat company, always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics. They source from ranchers who are for animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals are passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed our bodies will be, and the more efficient it will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. As always, make sure to screenshot this episode when you're listening to it. If you have Instagram, post it in your story. Tag me, tag Steffi, tag our guests, and tag Hybrid Unlimited. You'll automatically be entered in a draw to potentially win a brand new full drop from Hybrid Legacy Brand. If you haven't checked it out, check us out on Instagram at Hybrid Legacy Brand or our main account at Hybrid Performance Method. Uh, if you, we've got everything from training programs, nutrition plans, to the best apparel in the game. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. You know, I'm walking around 185, and I usually compete at 170. I had the belt at one time, but uh, at, like five days, you know, five years ago at 155, and then I went back, went up to 170. But now I drop back to 155, so I need a longer period of, you know, preparation. Just the weight cutting and everything. What, what's your what's your body weight right now? 85. 185, and you'll do a cut to 155? What does a cut like that look like? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's been, I have just to, you know, stop, like, doing, like, I need at least 12 weeks. So I can, but I've been eating clean like whole year round. I have like no day offs. And uh, the last one was pretty good. You know, uh, I've been doing the whole treatment with the doctor in Brazil, Dr. Maria. And she's been following me and uh, giving me the right supplements. And uh, it's kind of, it's not easy. Weight cuts never easy because you got to starve and dehydrate. And, uh, yeah, but last one was was better than the, when I my, my my last one with uh, 170 pounds. What? Uh, how much actual weight do you lose if you're going from 155 to 185 to 155? Like like before you start cutting water. Yeah, before the water cut. Yeah, on the five week, I would say like last last fight on Tuesday, I was uh, when I check in with UFC. The weight is on Friday. Friday, fight Saturday. Uh, I was 176, so I would say 20 pounds. 20 pounds in water? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've done almost that. You've done what, 14? Yeah, like, yeah, 20 pounds and, uh, like, being already, like, shredded, like, nobody, like, very little body fat. Yeah. Last one was 20, but, but it was pretty, like, not easy, but way better than the previous, you know, I've had like some bad weight cuts. When I fought Nate Diaz, I had a very bad weight cut. What was, what was so bad about it? Uh, I think I had like a little, like uh, I had more body, body fat percentage, and uh, my body held water for somehow because when I woke up, uh, it's very mental too, you know. Some sometimes something don't goes according to plan, and you gotta make adjustments. Your body just shut. You know, this time I woke up and the water 
on my bed wasn't getting hot, you know, because I usually cut weight on the bathtub. Yeah. And the water wasn't getting warm. And then we need to, you know, jump on the car and go for a 20-hour fitness. And, and the waiting was like, okay, you have two hours to make weight. And then that stress, you know, my body just shut. I was on the sauna for 15 minutes, like dry. <laughs> Nothing came out. And then, but, but I made weight. That, that blows my mind that at the level of athlete you are, you had to go to a 24-hour fitness to we try to make this cut. We didn't have where to go. That's crazy. You know, like, we, like, we got to go. Like, I got to make weight. I don't want to lose 20% of my purse. And I got over 30 fights in the UFC and then never miss weight. Never miss weight in my whole career. I don't want to, you know, that, you know, that clown on my record. And, you know, what, what but do you think about? miss weight. Oh, <laughs> he miss weight and, and you won that fight. Hey, I won. Um, so, you know, other than it being like a terrible cut, like to, to make weight, did that affect you in the fight, you think? Not at all. It was a three rounds fight. Usually when the fight's five rounds, it affects you more on the fourth and the fifth. But like, I felt pretty good. I was very well trained, even that the weight cut wasn't, you know, that good. But yeah, it didn't affect me. I, I was able to push hard for three rounds. Wow. Um, so obviously everybody knows you from the UFC. You've been in it for like quite some time. For those who don't, what was your fighting experience prior to the UFC? Yeah, prior to UFC, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm 36 years old and I pretty much, uh, that's what I did. That's what I did my pre pretty much my whole life. I never had any other job. Uh, born and raised in Niterói, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. And uh, yeah, I started. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with eight years old, and uh, I stopped for, for like a couple of years until like maybe 12, 13, and I like once I stopped back again, and I never stopped. You won like a world Brazilian championship, right? Yeah, yeah, I won a world championship at Purple Belt. By the time I got my brown belt, that was back in 2003, four, and uh, I stopped competing in Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, I got a call like on Wednesday to fight MMA on Saturday. I never put my glove on my hands. Come on. And they call me, okay, you want to fight? Okay, you're going to make, um, I would say, like $200. <laughs> I never said that. Oh, that would be a thousand reais, you know, Brazilian oh. money. I said, that, that's a good money. I never made that money my whole life. And uh, they call me and say, okay, let's go. That was on Wednesday night. And then... Uh, Did you have any striking experience? Or? Oh, Shut just, up. Just street, <laughs> street uh, striking. How did that fight go? Uh, I ended up losing the fight, but I won the fight, actually, you know. Um, here's the thing. The show was made for the guy win because right. his mom was sponsoring the show, right? That's why they got somebody on the short call. Okay, let's call somebody so you can beat. Yeah. But they called me, and, uh, yeah, and then I, you know, uh, I was, like, around 185. The fight was 170, and I had no experience. I was 19. And I had no experience of weight cutting. I just stopped drinking water and eat from Wednesday <laughs> to Friday. Oh, my God. And then I made weight. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, it was a fun fight. You know, I won, like, two rounds. And the third one, I gas out so bad. And uh, I lost the round. But, I, you know, they, they, they end the first round within three minutes. The round's supposed to be five minutes. But I was giving him a really hard time. And they... They end the round with three minutes. Oh, wow. So wow. I was, you know, on top and about to finish, and they boom, cut the round. Wow. And, uh, yeah, but it was fun, you know. Two weeks later, I fought again. I still had a black eye. <laughs> they paid me an extra 100 bucks. You want to fight again? And I fought again. And then I started, like, seeing that as a way to make some money. And, you know. How were you making money before that? I was teaching, you know. Like, I had some classing going on. and uh, But, like. My students were like really poor too, you know. I was in a poor area in uh, Minas Gerais, Belo Horizonte, and uh, yeah, they got no money. I got like very small income, and that extra income come like so handy. And uh, that was something that I like, you know, like fighting. That that's cool. And right. uh, and you know, some make you know fighting like that and. Then I became professional, like more professional, eating better, training better later on. Well, did you have good striking coaches in Brazil? Like, what was the next step? You're like, okay, 
I need to be able to like hold my hands up and throw some punches. Yeah, that was uh, yeah my first four fights. I was two and two. Right? I lost two and I won two, and uh, I ended up moving to Germany to 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 teach classes and to fight a tournament over there, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament in Portugal, and I ended up staying there. Say I stayed there for six months, then I went back to Brazil uh, because I said I don't want to be here in Europe, you know. Being a coach, being a teacher, you know, a professor, I don't want to do that. I still got so much on me. And then I went back to Brazil to live with my mom in Rio. And then I start like driving. I had a little motorcycle going to Rio every day. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I got a great team. Back in the day, it was a great Baja combat team with a lot of professional guys. I had Babalu back on the times, and he was on UFC, like fighting for the title uh-huh. and all the big names. And then I started, you know, training over there and I built up a record of like, I won, uh, I believe nine, nine or 10 in a row. And- I have your record here. Yeah, <laughs> I signed with UFC. Okay, cool. And that, that's, so that's probably where most people know where your story starts is yeah. with the UFC. And you had a really, tough debut right that was an uppercut yes. knockout my first my first knockout yeah, yeah. against jeremy stevens uh-huh. that was a tough one. um how first of all like what were your there's a lot of hype behind you coming into that right coming off like nine ten wins yeah usually when that happens in the ufc it's like eh, like next guy right you know but Especially obviously you have gone from that to being ufc lightweight champion how how did you like recover from that? How did you like keep the confidence of the promotion? Um, and and like what was your whole mental state going from like, you know, I'm sure in your mind you're like this is my first fight, I'm gonna kill it. Next thing I'm I'm gonna go on, and you obviously have a path to UFC champion, and I'm sure it didn't in your mind start with a knockout loss. So like, what was that whole process like? Yeah, that was uh, pretty tough because uh, when I signed it. Um, Back on the days, everybody that loses in UFC for the first time, they cut you right away. If you mm-hmm. lose in your debut, it, you're going to be cut. And uh, that was, you know, was a fight of my life. Okay? You got to make it. And, uh, and then I lost by knockout. I thought I would be cut. And they gave me another chance. Then I fought Tyson Griffin, which I lost again. So I started my career in UFC losing two in a row. And I thought I'll be cut, like they're gonna cut me. And uh, and then I felt that I need to improve my striking because I was, every time like the fight started standing again, I was kind of feeling panic a little bit, you know, I was panicking, I wanna take the fight to the ground and do my you know, jujitsu game. But like, after that loss for Jeremy Stevens, that knockout loss, I kinda, I stopped training on the ground stop training on the ground I start like doing striking every day uh, because MMA is pretty hard because you kind of you have to mix all the trainings you, know, you got to wrestle two three times a week and you have to box and you have to my die so it's hard to put all together well like I remember after that fight say I'm, I'm not training jiu-jitsu anymore you know I've been doing that for my whole life I gotta you know step up if I train Muay Thai and boxing twice a day I'll get better way faster than if I train three, three times a week. But that's what I did for six, seven months, only striking. And when I fought Griffin, it was a war, like, you know, uh, he was a good wrestler, was hard to take down. I knew the fight would, like, you know, be standing. And uh, I lost, but I got a fight of the night bonus. And when I got out of the cage, then I white hugged me and gave me a kiss. My head, good job, kid. <laughs> And then I say, man, I'm going to get another chance, hopefully. And then uh, I won. But, like, it was kind of hard, you know, like, being, you know, st- you know, doing my debut in UFC, knowing that, you know, I had to win and then lose two in a row. But, like, I knew, I knew, you know, something was driving me, you know, like, you know, I got to make it because I didn't have another way of living. That thing needs to work. I, I didn't have a, a plan B, you know, I, I gotta make it, and then that's why I, I walk my ass off and say, you gotta make it, and then I made it. Did you, were there doubts in your mind about your skills and your talents as a fighter? All the time. You know, we, you know uh, 
we always like doubt ourselves and but i'm so you know i'm so you know grateful because god always put good people around me that you know that believe on me more than sometimes i do you know like people to push you and at that time i met my wife too like right before i signed with ufc and she was the one that you know many times i thought you know talking to her and say okay uh, if i think i'm gonna get another job and do something and she always like pushing me okay no you gotta make it you're not only gonna fight on ufc you're gonna be ufc champion she always say that even before i signed to ufc and and something was driving me you know like god put that thing on my heart okay keep going you're gonna make it gonna make it and you know and yeah that, that was you know long journey good journey too that is so powerful having somebody around you i always say that someone that believes in you more than you believe in yourself because yeah. those like low moments of doubts when you're like you know you lose a you fail a a, a poor record attempt or you lose at a at a fight you start doubting yourself so much and whether or not you can actually make it or whether or not you have what it takes to be the best yeah i mean i've seen it with you i've seen it in any sport i think that that's like a maybe a positive right like to be so critical of yourself i think because it's what forces you to do things like stop doing jujitsu and really focus on the the things that are lacking for you i um i played for the national soccer team in venezuela and i moved here to play division one soccer at a un and obviously i left behind all my teammates you know my coaches my mom my dad everybody moved here when i was 17 and I, I personally felt like I had already failed because I wasn't as strong as the other girls. I wasn't as big. I felt like I didn't have access to a lot of the technical coaches that they did and just felt really behind mm-hmm. and had nobody to like tell me, hey, Steph, keep going. You can do it. Had nobody. And I quit. And it's one of like the decisions that I regret the most because I feel like if I would have like stuck with it for a little bit longer, I could have caught up just like you, you know, the six months, seven months of like really focusing on your weaknesses. So, yeah, just, like, having somebody that's, like, come on, you can do it, you know, believe in yourself every day that's encouraging you to keep going is is massive. Yeah, that's yeah, the as one, a, as like... a professional athlete, you know, like, yeah, we, we, like, on the end of the day, we are human beings, you know. You get home and sometimes you have a bad day and uh, you, you start doubting yourself. But, like, when you have someone there, okay, you know, that's okay. Keep pushing, keep going, you're going to make it. That make a huge difference. What um, how much, if you were to say percentage-wise, how much of fighting do you think is mental? I would say like ninety percent. Yeah, because especially in MMA, sometimes you do everything right, you're in great shape, and you train like a beast, and you go out there. If you're not on a good day, you know, you know the with a good mind, you lose the fight. Sometimes you don't do anything. You got a 10 days call and uh, a week call and a short, short notice call and you go there and be the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's all mental. And uh, if, you, if you're in that state of mind and MMA, you know, it's a, it's a surprise box because of that. That's what, you know, I, I like MMA because there's no favorites, and uh, sometimes you do everything perfect, and you go out there, you don't show up well, something happened, your mind. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Well, my title fight against Kobe Covington, uh, I never shared that with, you know, with everybody, like only for close people. Uh, 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 between rounds, uh, the fight was tough, you know, like going to the fifth round on a title fight, uh, the fight was kind of two and two, you know, you know, the, the fifth round would be like, would, would be like they want to decide the fight. And, uh, you know, all the emotions right there. And I had some like problems. Uh, I always like to have a good energy between my coaches. You know, I, I'm that type of guy. I want everybody to be happy around me. And uh, I like that between them. And I don't want any ego. Like, for example, you guys are my coaches. If you guys like, you know, I, it affects me, yeah. you know, I'm not that type of fighter that, okay, fuck them, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I care about you guys, and I want you guys to be, you know, on the same page, and for some reason, uh, they never, like, my 
my boxing coach and my Muay Thai coach, like, you know, uh, both are striking coach, but like one is boxing coach, other one is a Muay Thai coach, so it's different techniques. And uh, between rounds, some, like on the first round, the two guys came up to my, came inside the, the octagon to like, to, you know, talk to me and stuff like that. Now on the second round, only my boxing coach came and my, my Muay Thai coach did not come, he stayed outside. And on my mind, they say, like they fighting between them and the, something like some stressing going on between them. And, uh, and then when the second round started, I was thinking about that. I wasn't even thinking about the fight. And on the third round, that happened again. Only my, my boxing coach came, Jason Parillo and Eduardo Pamplona stay on the outside and say, yeah, I think they fighting. But, you know, I don't want that energy on my part. And then I start thinking about that during the fight. And it, wow. it, it affects me. So distracting. so distracting. It distracts me. It did. Big time. Wow. Is there a lot of, is it difficult to find, to, to find a cohesive team, like a team of people that like can work together and remove their ego and just focus on you? Is that difficult? It is. It is because, uh, here's the thing, uh, most, most of MMA coaches, they are specialized in one martial art. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but uh, uh, he always going to, if he is a striking coach, he's going to pull, like, I want my fighter to strike and show up well. So I'm going to, you know, see how I am, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm doing a good job striking-wise with him. Yeah. If it is, a, you know, a grappling guy, he wants you to grapple. And I have that problem a lot on my career with coaches. But yeah, and uh, for my last fight, I worked with André Pedernerez in Nova Union, Rio de Janeiro, coach of Jose Aldo and all of these guys. And uh, was, you know, I had a great experience with him because it's so hard to find a guy that he deals with. Uh, he don't let you even think like anything like, okay, I got to talk to my doctor. He said, okay, stay there. I, I, I'll deal with that. He deals with everything. He deals with all the striking coach. He deal with the doctor. He like he just give you the gives you a peace of mind. Like a team manager sort of thing. He does everything. Yeah, he's a wow. manager too. You True. know, like he does everything. And uh, I was working with him during the fight week and like doing two months in Brazil. And he's the type of guy that he created a WhatsApp group and he's getting the feedback from the trainer. From so I have that. That's a head coach, and I don't even. You know, what I'm going to do today, like, for many times I call myself, what I'm going to do today, like, for training, uh, the fighter doesn't have to think about it. He got to follow the schedule. And yeah. uh, Andre did that a lot, you know, and that's, you know, that's what is missing in MMA. Yeah, you know, the coach to, to handle, to, that guy to handle everything. I so most people know. don't have that? Most people don't have that, I believe. Most people don't have that. Yeah, you, you need that. You need that for sure that is like just managing everybody else that's uh what we were talking to what's his name that's up with uh, obj yeah what sorry yeah uh, like obj's coach um yeah we did a podcast with him too uh yeah, yeah well no the name is escaping me but um oh my god th- whatever it doesn't matter i have alzheimer's <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter though Okay, anyway, but yeah, so we met OBJ's coach, he's a, uh, a professional NFL player, and that was what he was saying is that his role is to coordinate like therapists, sports psychologists, and massage, like he just takes care of everything and OBJ just shows up to the things that he needs to show. That's the best way to do it by far. There is some guys, you know, there he is, but it, it's still missing, you know, you know, there's not on point yet. But this guy, Andrea, that was, you know, especially being around for so many years and that was what I need, you know. Like, that's why I'm, I live in California, but, like, every time I have a fight camp, I'm going to get, you know, get an apartment in Brazil, fly out there with my family and stay there for two, three months. Wow. Wait, I want to go back to the, to the mindset question that I asked you. How, what percentage-wise, how much do you think uh, fighting is mental? You said 90%. So what percent of your time do you spend working on your mental strength? Chris Knott was the Chris coach, Knott. by the way, but go on. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, like, 
uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian, and I always like everything I do. I, you know, I know that God is in control and uh, of my, you know, my life, all my decisions. And every time I gotta make decisions, I, you know, I, I ask God to kind of lead me, guide me to to make the better choice. But yeah, I don't have any like. Uh, 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 you don't uh, work with a profession. No, I don't. You know, but just, don't you find that crazy? Yeah, I, because that's on me. You know, like maybe because where I, you know, where I born and where I came from, I have that, you know, that string on my heart, and I always like. Um, I never felt that I needed, you know, like uh, I actually saw like a professional. Okay, I'm gonna help you mental wise, and I don't. I believe on it, but I, I don't think I need it. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm good with, you know, stick, how, you yeah, uh, how I handle it. Yeah. So going off those two back-to-back losses to start your USA, or, uh, UFC debut, how did you deal with that mentally? Because obviously there's a ton of pressure. You already thought you are going to get cut twice. You put all this like seven months into a, basically striking. emphasizing your, your, your striking in your camp, and now you're in the ring and you're like, it's pretty much all down to this. Yeah. How'd you deal with that? Yeah, it was kind of hard because, uh, um, like, when I lost to Jeremy Stephen a month later, I had my first, you know, my first born. And uh, it's hard when kids involved and the pressure, you know, increase, you know, like you got a family to take care of and, uh, you know, and uh, coming off two losses and, and go, go out there and knowing that that's the time now I have to win. There's no way around. That's my third fight. If I lose three in a row, they're gonna cut me. But yeah, I just step out there and try to empty my mind because if you step on that on that octagon with the uh, you know thinking of like your problems, what's going on in your life, you gotta just like empty your mind and focusing what you did. And uh, I end up winning three in a row after that, three or four. I, I you know so many fights I, did, I you know I forget. But yeah, I just like every time you have a competition or have something going on, you just gotta put that behind you, and that's you know uh, another chance to you know to start a new page and you know just erase the past and try to forget all your problems when you step in there. Same thing, uh, everyday training, you know, even like something you know we have our everyday problems, but when I step on the gym, even that's a lot of going on. I always do well, you know. I never like uh, because I, I have that that good uh, uh, that that's a quality. I think like I just shut down, you know, like all my problems that I have, like everything that's going on around me. I just focus on that session, and I always do good. Yeah, I think it's important to be able to compartmentalize all of those things. You mentioned having kids in a family, and I know you said already that you're like this has to work. Cause it's the only thing I know yeah. to do. Obviously, that pressure is increased with having a family and kids. And I kind of feel like there's two paths that uh, a lot of fighters like take or pressures that they feel. And one is it, it like negatively affects their their uh, fighting because they feel this responsibility now to like not get hurt, and take less risk because they have these people that They're are really de- that are dependent. Or you see it like really fuel people. A lot of the times, because it's like, like you said, now it's like another mouth to feed. All these people are depending on me. I can't fail now more than ever. Did you feel both of those pressures or either of them? Yeah, I, you know, I felt both of that pressure, you know, like knowing that, you know, the family depend on me. And, uh, and for some guys, I think that would like, uh, that that extra pressure would like work against them. For me, like works on my favor. I know like, you know, that's one more, dream, one more thing to drive me to, you know, to reach my goals and to do what I have to do and make it work, work out. And uh, but of course, yeah, the pressure in uh, for me it work out, work out well, like pushing me towards my goal. What's um for you? Because you've sort of accomplished the thing everybody wants to accomplish in MMA, which is winning, you know, UFC championship. You've done that. What would you need in your career to say, like, I did it all and I'm happy to walk away and, like, feel like there's no stone unturned, really? Yeah, like, I've, well, back in 2015, I won the world title. I beat Anthony Pettis and uh, 
back in there, I say I want to defend my title. So, because a lot of people say, okay, people really champion when they defend the title. So you have to defend your title. And then I went there, I beat Donald Cerrone. He was coming off like 12 wins street and I beat him. You fought him twice, right? I and you won both twice. times? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like, then I defend my title and uh, a lot of things happened later. I lost the title, blah, blah, blah. I had like a lot of shoes with weight cutting. I decided to move up and uh, end up like winning three in a row and fighting for the world weight title which was something that I would like to accomplish because very few fighters got, you know, chance to be, you know, two-division champion. But I failed. I lost the fight. But, like, you know, now I'm, I'm, again, I'm back. I dropped back down to 155. And that's something that I would like to accomplish. You know, I want to I wanna get my title back. I want to be, you know, champion again. Um, something that I always say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm never going to keep fighting like just for fighting to get collect my check, you know. I, as long as I'm competing, I want to, you know, my focus is the gold. I want to, you know, be the best at it. I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want to see myself just okay. I'm just gonna go there fighting, you know, to get my paycheck. I want, I want actually win the belt. So that's my next goal now. I want to, you know, and uh, win the belt again, at lightweight division. Do you know when you're gonna be back active in the UFC? Yeah, I'm shooting for, I'm dealing with some injuries and uh, that has been bugging me for since my last camp. Uh, but I'm looking back to, you know, to get back in the octagon by May or June. Um, so the injuries that you were talking about, was that, what is it and how did that happen? Yeah, well, I started feeling like uh, it caused pubalgia, it's an inflammation on the pelvis. It's, uh, it started bugging me on the middle of the la my last camp by like October of last year. And uh, I was pushing so hard through the fight camp, so I gotta make it to the fight. And uh, it got a bit worse during the preparation. But yeah, after the fight, it was a, was a tough fight, five rounds fight, and it's never easy to fight, you know, a main event, a five hard fight. fight. And uh, now, I, you know, I'm giving myself a, self a time off, and but it's, it's been like, Three four months and uh, of yeah, no training at all. Very little training. Some like you know, I was hitting some pads, uh, but every time I turn my hip and I you know I have some motion on my upper body, I, it's kind of affect me. It's a it's an injury very common on soccer players because they kick a lot. And my left leg, it's like you know, it's my back leg, so like that I kick a lot, and I you know it's a overused thing and. But I think I'll, I'll get it fixed. Okay, I want to take a second here just to give another shout out to our sponsor, State Classy Meats. These guys, we've been using them for quite some time now, actually, long before they were uh, a sponsor on the show. And they make some of the best stuff that I have ever had. And unlike a lot of meat companies that keep it pretty basic, you can have freaking Wagyu burgers, tomahawk steaks. You can think of it. They have it. And that can arrive straight to your door. Uh, stay classy sources from ranchers who are for the animals which means they allow the animals to graze in a stress-free environment and if you know anything about hunting or uh, eating meat in general that is super important to the quality and the taste of the meat stay classy is also committed to keeping their meat hormone and antibiotic free so when you get this meat you know you're just getting meat you know exactly what's in it they cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their body. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stress out our bodies will be, and the more efficient it will run. They are all about quality, convenience, and small batch. So definitely check these guys out. Like I said, they make the best stuff. Code HYBRID in all caps will get you guys 10% off. So try some bougie burgers, try some other awesome meat, and uh, enjoy. Enjoy a little discount on us. All right, now let's get back to the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Has this been your uh, most annoying injury or like most severe injury? Yeah, pretty much. It's been it's been one. Yeah, like. Have you had any other setbacks, like physical? I broke my jaw once, and uh, against Clay Guida. Clay Guida, yeah. On the first round, like first punch of the fight, I broke my jaw in two spots. Uh, then I kept fighting until the third. 
but I was on both sides. It yeah, broke. Yeah, I broke right here and right here. What What yeah, was the shot that did it? Yeah, it was a kind of we got on the bra kind of on the first minute of the fight, and I got caught, and I went to bite my mouthpiece. I saw something like something's losing here. I can't bite my mouthpiece, oh. and but I was winning the fight. And uh, the crazy thing, so I don't want to like the thing to stop bleeding and the, the ref stop the fight. I start swallowing my own blood. Oh my god! So because I'm winning, so I'm, I'm so I'm winning the fight, <laughs> and I don't want the ref to come here and stop the fight. I want to win, and but that thing started like getting. I was feeling so. I was feeling shock on my head, like like actual shocks on my head. And uh, on the third round, I you know he took me down and kind of. Like his corner saw some things going on, like something with my jaw, and uh, I, I still can't hear their voice. Say, okay, put a shoulder pressure on his jaw, put a shoulder pressure. And when he put a shoulder pressure, I kind of tap. Wow. I say, I, I can't handle that. You know, like it's like twist my jaw. And that was that was a, one of the worst injuries. I was like 17 days with my mouth shut oh. with a wire. Oh my God. It was terrible. How you, so, did, how, did you have a nasal tube? For, the, for feeding? How did you eat? Like, just smoothie. Smoothie. For, yeah. Wow. And I started getting a throat infection during that day. Uh, and I couldn't take my medicine. Uh, I ended up doing another surgery 17 days later in Brazil. Because they put, like, like wires in here. And uh, they shut my mouth. And my guy in Brazil, my doctor in Brazil, did a, he put an extra titanium plate right here. One extra one and two more here on the front one. To like you know because they just the, the, the job that they did here to just shut my mouth and they didn't put any plates. But I told my dog, say I'm gonna get punched on the face again. You better put a you know a extra plates <laughs> in there. And then he put two more here and two more here on the front. And uh, you know like a week later I was eating normal. Yo, you imagine just replacing your entire jaw with like a metal, metal jaw? plates. Everyone's like breaking their jaw. hands on you. Yeah, and people break their <laughs> hands when they hit your jaw. And I thought my career was gone, pretty much. Yeah, that was, that was back in 2011. Then I thought it was gone. I said, "I'm done. I can't fight anymore." Why? Because I, the way that I was feeling, my you know, my I was kind of depressed. I kind of got a little, you know, chubby, like because. Say, I can't get punched on the face again. My my face was swollen for three months. So how do you how do you go from literally thinking I can't get punched in the face again yeah. to getting back in a ring and becoming UFC champion? Yeah, that was you know I went to Singapore and then we go back to the story of like having people that believe in you more than you do, and I went to Singapore. A friend of mine, uh, uh, Chatri, he owns the One FC. He wants to evolve fighting in Singapore too. He invited me there. I said, okay, stay a couple months here, like rest with your family. And I, he flew me there to Singapore with my family. And uh, I was kind of, you know, pretty down, depressed, and, you know, just lost the fight and got a terrible injury. And he was the guy that, you know, uh, said, hey, man. Don't give up. I'm gonna see with the with the belt around your waist. You're gonna be champion again. He always put that thing on my mind, and uh, my wife too, like encouraging me. And uh, yeah, I stayed in Singapore that time for like five months, and uh, I kind of recovered there and I started like working out. And uh, and my f next fight after was like 11 months later, and uh, you know I I knock out the guy and. Uh, I got that confidence back, and I feel I was feeling good during the sparring, and and then that that whole thought came back again. Like I gotta make it work out, you know. Like I have this feet, this mount to feet, I can't give up. And what what drives me to you know keep going? Were Were you super nervous about your jaw going into that fight? Like, cause you hear about people, you know, they get in an accident on like a sea do, and they're like, well, I'm never getting on a sea do again. Like they're scarred by the incident. Like, what did it take? Or did you just, like, get a punch in the jaw and then you're like, like I'm no, okay, I'm you know? Yeah, like, because I, I tested during the sparring. I was feeling good. I was, I, you know, I got clicked a couple of times and, uh, you know, and I didn't feel anything. But I was just worried about getting hurt somehow, some, you know, not only my jaw, but, you know, with some other, you know, you know injury because 
because for the first time in my whole career, I really got injured during during the fight. And uh, after that day, I always every time you know, I always like to pray before the fight. And one thing I always ask God is, uh, I don't want to get hurt. And I usually we pray, I want to win, I want to win, help me. But like, uh, but these days I only pray like for help, you know. So I want to walk out of the fight and have a dinner with my and I also pray for my opponent so because we have many ways to win the fight without really hurting the guy you know you can put him to sleep on a choke on something and he taps and gonna have dinner with his family on after day like we are friends and we like you know we are like you know workmates and you know he do like his job he got a family too and I always ask that you know I just wanna walk out of the octagon with the win and uh you know, healthy, and I want my opponent to be healthy too. You know? How common is that? Because I think, like a lot of times, you see the people who are getting really hyped up right now. They're the people who are like calling people out. You know, making things really personal. Like there's appears to be at least. You know, obviously some of it's for the show, but some like real anger and tension between people. You know, mm-hmm. um, like you saw it in the Masvidal Ben Askren fight, mm-hmm. right? Like that was an intentional punch to the face after the guy was knocked out. Yeah. You think that it's more more often than not people being respectful like you or like does the UFC kind of want people to be like over the top and personal? I think like that, that what's, I'm not going to lie, that's what, what sells more, you know. The fans want to see that, they're all that drama. Uh, but I, I, I've been doing that thing for so many years and I'm, kind of old school on it I just want to go there I got my job done and and walk away with the victory but like but definitely that's that's what what sells you know that's what all the drama fans want to see that and but it's not it's not the way that I would like to promote my fights you know like calling people out and you know cursing their families (laughs) I don't think that's cool and I just like you know if but I kind of get like a little personal too, but like, you know, um, just like during the fight, you know, I want to, I want to put the guy away. I'm not going to lie. I want to, you know, put him away. I want to win the fight. But like, you know, I don't really like want to hurt the guy bad and put him out for six, seven months. You know, I want him to be, you know, able to after the fight or have dinner with his family. And, you know, I don't want to send nobody to the hospital. Have there been any fights for you that have been really personal? Like somebody said something you didn't like or... Yeah, a couple ones. You know, with Diaz was pretty personal. Uh, not many people know, like after the wings, uh, we went backstage and he came up to me and kind of, you know, I was getting some food on the table and he kind of pushed me and you know, kind of like that drama right after the weddings. And, uh, and on the hotel too, he always walking with the crew, you know. Always walk with the crew of guys, and those guys following me around and kind of trying to sneak out to see where I was sleeping, so they could bug me during the whole night. And oh my god! That's what I felt, you know. Like that's wow. I was walking to my room and I felt something, like you know, with some guys. And I said, "Yeah, you know, when you have that feeling that somebody's looking to you." Uh-huh. And I look back, and I saw these two guys hiding behind <laughs> it, you know. The pole, like, I say, what this guy? And then I stay, like, I didn't want to get in my room, so I don't want them to know where I'm sleeping. They're going to knock on my door during the whole night and call my room and make That's my sleep crazy. shit, you know? And then I, all, the, all of a sudden, these two guys walk out. Wow. With Kobe Confident, too, was pretty personal. He was talking a lot of crap about Brazil and Brazilian people, blah, blah, blah. That's, you know, I think that's part of his promotion. You sure. know, that's not like who who we who is really you know that's not him, but that's what's working for him and uh, he's promoting his fight that way. You know, I can't judge him, but it's not the way that I promote my fights. Sure. Well, it's very a uh, different approach, right? Like yeah. when you win, most people are happy. People watch Kobe Kobe yeah. Covington win because they want to see him get fucked up. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely a different. Uh, promotion style and I would prefer to be on the side that you're on than his but he definitely gets a lot of eyeballs that way have you ever felt pressure to sort of like play that up or have you ever like have you ever 
engaged in yeah, that. Yeah, like responded or made things personal or... Uh, I think I've, like, not that, like, that I want to do, like, okay, I want to, you know, like, but I, I just felt that I have to do, like, you know, we don't have, like, you know, cold blood. I got, you know, hot blood too, and sometimes you get caught on that moment, but you have to, you know, always, like, thinking of hold myself and don't don't play that game because that thing take too much out of your energy right before the fight and when I was scheduled to fight Connor too and you know now he's playing that res nice guy respectful guy now he's playing that game but back on the days it was pretty uh, I know I had one press conference with him he show up like so you know Okay, I think he was drunk or something, <laughs> but like that one that he was like dressing like well, Chapo and uh, but like yeah, he was pretty. He was on his moment talking a lot of shit, blah blah blah. But you know, I helped myself and you know, waiting for to put all that energy towards the fight, you know, because that you already have stress enough during fight camps and preparation, all the adrenaline, you know. On the end of the day, you're gonna go there and fight the guy and. It's, that's a lot of stress on it already. I want to ask some questions about training. Switch mm -hmm. gears a little bit. Um, do you lift weights at all? Yes, I do. Um, I have a, I had a guy in LA, Nick Curson, uh, which I worked with him for a long time. He does a lot of plyometrics stuff, and I like it a lot. Give me a lot of speed and stuff, but I usually like lift a little heavier when I don't have anything coming up. When I, like I just had a fight, and two three weeks later after the fight, on off season, pretty much not on during the fight camp. How long is a fight camp? Uh, for me, usually take. I I like to you know to have like ten to twelve weeks. Uh, but when I don't have anything coming up, I like to you know to lift and lift a little heavy to get a little stronger, and kind of uh, have a kind of like a pre camp. That makes sense. Is that standard, like a 12-week camp, three months-ish? Especially, like, for me, uh, I, I got sh short notice calls in, like, five weeks, four weeks. But for me, since I dropped back to 155, uh, that's what I, you know, that's... UFC wants me to go back to that division, and that was one of the things that I said, okay, I need... Because they, they are booking right now fighters, you know, pretty close, you know, like six, five weeks, four weeks. You know, and the only thing that I that I told them, I need uh, 10 to 12 weeks ahead notice so I can get my body on point. Wow. Do you ever use the um, UFC facility in Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. I've been there a couple of times and it's amazing. It's, it it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. I did all the tests, all the strength tests. And what are your best strength numbers, do you know, like for a squat, bench, and deadlift? I don't remember. I had that thing all on paper, but was uh, wasn't a good average. It wasn't a good side. Like for Walter weight, I was a little weaker. You know, like I was on on the middle range. But for lightweight, I was like really strong, really strong for lightweight. What are some of the perks of the UFC training center? Uh What are some of the perks? Like what the benefits, the benefits of going to the UFC training center yeah. and like do they ask anything of you because it's free to the athletes right yeah yeah so when I went there we have a bunch of uh, you know great professionals and they, they guide you like uh, pretty much true. one of the things that I like a lot was like uh, for the physiology like how to don't overtrain and uh, they gave us a they gave me this ring here called aura ring yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you can track your sleep and, uh, you know, sometimes I, I've done that so many times and when you wake up, you, you're tired and you don't feel well, you say like, I don't want to go sound, I just want to, you know, work hard. I've done that a lot when I was younger, mm -hmm. but I'm, you know, 36 years old now and I've been doing that so long and some days you have to, you know, step back a little bit and uh, tape it out so you, you don't lose the whole week of training. And uh, they, you know, they gave me a lot of good tips. So training wise and, you know, all the approaches and, uh, you know, everything to manage it, you don't get on that uh, uh, overtrain because once you get there, you take weeks to get out of that overtrain. And uh, it, it can take, you know, it can cost you a fight and, it, you know, it can mess up your whole camp. Once you hit that overtrain, 
uh, he, the, the physiology Roman was explaining me that you, you take like pretty much two, three weeks to get out of that overtraining. Uh, is that something that you experienced in the past, overtraining? Yeah, a lot. Any a lot. one fight in particular? Uh, I would say uh, when I fought uh, uh, Cowboy Cerrone for the title defense, I was I think I was on overtraining. So what, what were you feeling? I, I just like, uh, uh, I was working, so I, I didn't have like, because when I fought Pettis, I had a, I fought Pettis with a 70% tear on my MCL. Oh. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was out for like two weeks before the fight. That's when I tear my MCL during sparring. I pretty much cut my weight walk, my weight walking, you know, like that's oh. how I did my cut. And uh, what, what was the shot that tore it? Uh, no, I kind of took a shot on the guy on the double leg, and my feet got stuck on that way here and kind of popped right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, two weeks before the fight, and uh, I had a long, I think I had like five or six months layoff to Cerrone, and then we have that, okay, I gotta train hard, I'm a champion now, and uh, and you know, I have uh title defense to make and I think I, I kind of overdid a lot wow. but I'm I'm glad the fight went okay and didn't win this since I knocked him out in, in a minute 67 or something 66 seven. but yeah it was that fight that wasn't I wasn't in my best shape you know you think if I, I did well but I wasn't like like I was with the you know Ben Henderson with Ben Henderson I was like I'm sure. just ready to explode Still hard to argue with a knockout in the first round, though. <laughs> but uh, do you think if that fight went longer, the fact that you were overtrained would have been an issue? I would, I would yeah. I would, especially Cerrone, he's a very dangerous guy because he starts slow and he starts like, picking up. It's kind of, he's that, you know, he's a slow mm -hmm. starter and I start hard. So that's why, that was my, you know, my, I know, like, I knew he got a, some weakness on his like his body. He can't take many shots here. He can say, "I'm gonna start hard on that body, rip that body, and see what's happened." And I, I caught him with the knee, and then he kind of walked back, and I saw his vein. He popped up like, you know, like I said, he felt that shot, and then I capitalized wow. on it. Wow, that that's, that's so cool that you could notice yeah. that. I couldn't notice his vein popping. Like he got red, and that thing popped up. I said, he felt that shot, and then. Is that something you're looking for all the time? Like people's responses you to the, like, the language? Yeah, you gotta see that, you know. Uh, and I'm a type of fighter that I don't look on the eyes when I fight. I look on the chest. How come? You know, I think I got a better reading of everything that's coming, you know. A lot of fighters, they look on the eyes. They want to see the eyes. I, I look right here because I kind of can see better everything that's coming, you know. Punches, kicks, and then I can't have a better... You know, can have a, a better you know, view of what's going on. Have you ever gone into a into a fight and had a plan, and then just not been able to execute that plan whatsoever? Yeah, I have a when I when I when I fought Habib, Nurmagomedov is the champion now. You know, had a great career, undefeated career, and uh, when I fought him, I had. Uh, I was training a lot of grappling because he's a wrestler, a lot of cage game, and uh, and one day, I, you know, I got taken down, my ear got stuck on the cage, and I got 14 stitches oh. behind my ear, like my ear fall off, like, during that camp, and, uh, and I, I drove myself to the, I was bleeding a lot, and I drove myself to the hospital, I got stitches. And uh, it was like, I would say, seven weeks to the fight, eight weeks. And then I thought about calling it out. I said, no, but I'm just going to do my striking and it's going to heal. And within two, three weeks was 100%. But I, I didn't grab at all. Like, I did very little, like, groundwork and, you know, like, cage work. And that's what all the fight was about, you know, like, we... He always like pressure me, put me against the cage, and took me down. And like I didn't have many weapons to deal with that, and I couldn't do anything. You know, like that was kind of planned to do. You know, that that was frustrating for me. Will anyone ever beat Khabib? No, he's undefeated. 
No, but will you think he'll come back? Uh, hopefully, if, I'm coming for that. You know, <laughs> I wish I wish I could have a second crack on him. You I think, think you can beat him? I think I can beat him with the, my experience that I got, my wrestling, uh, because I think the wrestling was the even his father said uh, RDA was the this tough guys that, that he's gonna that he ever fought. I, I saw his his fat pass away, but he said that RDA is the toughest fight for him. But like I wasn't on my best that day. But like I think if I get the proper camp and do everything well, and uh, I think it can be. Man, I hope to see that fight. That'd be crazy. Um, I have one more question for you, wrap up. What is your first? What does your morning routine look like? Like the first hour of your day. I wake up uh, and, uh, you know, get my breakfast and uh, usually... What do you have for breakfast? I've been, I've been eating like a bird, for the, you know, since <laughs> I moved down to 155. I've been like living in diet 24-7, but like I usually have a plain yogurt, some berries, uh, bananas and cacao and maca. They mix everything, maca pounder, and that's my breakfast. Okay. And um, I got my first session, not, nothing too much, because usually I live far from my kids' school and I have to drive kids to school. Now they, my middle one, he walked to school, we move. And now he's like, you know, I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I just, you know, get my breakfast, my, my bowl with yogurt and, you know, berries and maca and cacao. and. Head back, head go, go back to the gym. Yeah, simple enough. Keep it Much simple, simple, repeatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That must be cool for your yeah, kids. I like my routine, you know. I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that likes my routine, you know. I like to do the same thing. I like the same thing, yeah. Especially when I'm in fight camp, I don't like to. That's why my last camp was pretty, was amazing. I had an amazing camp, but I had to change everything because I, I went to Brazil and I, I rent out a small apartment. You know, it was big for Brazil, but like, you know, compared to my house here, it was pretty small and my two kids in there, my middle one doing homeschool, my two years old running around and, and uh, I went back to my roots. That's what I felt that I had to do, you know, like I went back to training with Andre Pedernera and Alvo Nion in Rio and I have to park my car and walk to the favelas every day and, you know, training with a bunch of guys, gym full of killers and, uh, I need that, and uh, it changed a lot of my routine. And it took me a couple of weeks to adapt to it, but it ended up to being a great camp. Um, do your kids watch your fights? They do. They yeah. Do. yeah. Do I they... took my middle one like when we moved here. Uh, my my middle like Rafael Rafinha was like three years old, four years old. Now he's twelve, and uh, he always wanted to go. And I said, when Dad fights for the title, I'm taking you. And they took them for the title fight. Wow. Do, they, do they fight? Are they fighters? No, they're not. They're lovers. You know, like, uh, he, he, you know, he got a you know, beautiful heart and he doesn't like to any, like, engaging fights, you know. He's not a very competitive guy, uh, but they don't. I think my, my, my young one, he's going to fight. He's gonna. Gustavo, the older one, he did wrestling. He did good in high school. But yeah, I think Roger, the small one, he's he's something. He got a lot on him. Yeah, how can you tell? Uh, just his energy. He's 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 built different. You know, he's two years old and he's already got like seven stitches on his face. <laughs> he like he split his head in Brazil and drove on his house. And a couple of weeks later, he fell on my house and spit again. So he's been through a lot for like a two years old. You know, I can tell he's he's different. Awesome. What, uh, what kind of advice do you have for aspiring professional fighters? Yeah, fighter, you know, fighting is not, I see a lot of coming up fighters that they want to, you know, because uh, now, nowadays it's very easy to, to get UFC. Back on my days, it was kind of hard. Today we have like the house, the tough, and if you do good, win like three, five in a row, they put you in UFC. So... The lack of opportunity is better, but like I see a lot of fighters, uh, the guys are gonna do a, I would say like a amateur fight, you know, like, okay, I need eight weeks preparation. You don't need a eight weeks preparation for, you know, a, a, you know, a amateur fight. 
just stay ready, you know, keep the water warm. When it's time to boil, it's easy, you know, just keep yourself because you never know when the opportunity is going to knock on your door. Just got to be ready to take that shot, you know. And I see a lot of guys that, you know, want some spot on the big shows. They, they just want to train when they get a call for the fight. No, keep the water warm, keep moving, keep evolving. And when somebody calls you, you're going to be ready to go. What, um, what are your thoughts on the whole, like, uh, influencer boxing, like exhibition fights, the Jake Paul and all that stuff? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, like, you know, a lot of people are paying for that. It's, uh, I don't think, uh, I think the f real fighters has to be, like, award with something better, you know, I don't, I don't you know, like, It, it's it's you know a lot of people paying to see these guys, but like we can we can forget the real deals, you know, the, the guys that do that for a living and the real guys, you know. And but it, it's fun, you know, people paying to to see that, and uh, you know, it's working out for them, and you know, it, it's, it's it's entertaining people, you know. What would it take for you to do something like that? Yeah, if they pay me well, I will do that, you know, like... What's well? Like, say a number. Ah, oh, man, give me a million bucks, I, I go for another four, four, you know, a <laughs> boxing fight would be fun, you know. You hear that, Jake Paul? Million bucks, <laughs> he's in. Big gloves and, you know, nothing gonna happen. That's, that's a sparring in the gym. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Small gloves, the big problem, kicks and knees and boxing matches. It's kind of fun, it'll be fun. That's cool. Um, I think I have another question. Do you read? Not, not much. much. Not do you much. watch movies? I do. What's your favorite movie? You have one? Uh, yeah. The first one that came on my mind was Bloodsport. Bloodsport. A, a fight I, movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. That's what I grew up with. I love that movie. Okay, what about um, best purchase for less than $100? Uh, That's a hard one. Taking one of the Tim Ferriss's yeah. book there. Best purchase for less. Or around. Or around, yeah. I would say protein shake powder. <laughs> <laughs> you can think anywhere, yeah. yeah. You know, like, you're gonna help me, you know, with the training and, you know, between trainings. I would say that. First thing came on my mind. All business. Yeah. <laughs> All like business. <laughs> okay, what about, would you rather travel 100 years into the future? Or a hundred years into the past, and why? I would go to the past because I think technology is getting, you know, too much these days. And I always caught myself, and I, I like a lot to enjoy the, you know, outdoors, you know, travel, and uh, you know, and every time I go to some place, I always, you know, start imagining. I would like to see this place like 200 years ago, mm -hmm. how it looked like, you know, especially like this. Beautiful place, beaches with a bunch of buildings. Uh -huh. uh, I always think to myself, I'd like to see that like a hundred, two hundred years ago with no buildings. How would that look like? That would be something fun. That's a good answer. Yeah. What did you say to that question? Um, I said the future because I already know what happened in the past, and also I'd be concerned about like the butterfly effect of doing anything in the past. So it's like even if you did something good, right? Like let. Let's say someone had a really good reason. I want to go to the past because I wanted to kill Hitler before he did all that stuff. Okay. Maybe killing Hitler is good, but it causes some huge rippling effect that's really negative for the entire world, you know? And I don't want that on me. Yeah, it's too much, too much responsibility. <laughs> yeah. um, what are your predictions for the uh, Jake Paul Ben Esperon fight? Uh, I think Jake Jake's going to be a uh, uh, Ben. Damn. It's Ben. Uh, He's a great wrestler. I don't think his strike is that good. And, uh, you know, I might be, you know, I never saw Jake Paul fighting too, you know. But yeah. Ben's a fighter. If he played that dirty box, you know, clinching, he could wear him out. I don't know how, how long the fight's going to be, like five rounds, three rounds. Not sure. I have no idea. If, if he goes decent, Ben's an athlete, you know, like he, you know, he's been on the ball, you know, on the, on the, Cage before he's a professional fighter, but like it's a boxing match, it's kind of you know hard. And Jake's big, tall, mm -hmm. and 
Yeah, okay, he hits okay. hard, man. He hits hard, right? Yeah, I saw boxing highlights or some one of those pages posted like a compilation of like his sparring. His sparring. I see. I see. He's gonna try ban. He's gonna try to to play that dirty box thing, you know, clinch and uppercuts, and but the ref is gonna keep like split down and but like if it's a boxing match, it's kind of hard. I think I give like. A, advantage to, to Jake. You think the hip surgery that Ben Askren had is going to be a factor too? Oh yeah, definitely. It could like, hip is terrible. You need a, you know, you gotta, you know, Ben's the type of fighter, he doesn't have a good footwork. He's not athletic, you know, he's not athletic. He kind of, but for MMA and wrestling, he do great, but like, it's kind of, you know, don't know how to do in the boxing match, and especially coming off that surgery, I think that could, you know, affect a little bit. That's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch it for sure. You going to watch it? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to see. Well, Jake Paul's another one. Everyone kind of just wants to see him get his ass kicked. <laughs> he put himself in that position. Oh, yeah. And he keeps winning, which makes it worse. Yeah. So. Hope. I hope Ben wins, you know. Like, Ben said, you know, coming from UFC, you know, mixed martial arts, and and uh, got a history on it, you know, former world champion, and I would like to see him win. Awesome. That's it for me. Yeah. Awesome, Thank you so man. much for yeah. your time. My I appreciate pleasure. it. My pleasure. I'm excited to watch your next fight, Thank and I uh, wish you all the best, all the success. Thank you. Appreciate it.